All right, so today we continue in week two of our sermon series called Clued In, where we are systematically going through 2 Peter, which is the second letter that Peter wrote to a bunch of churches right before he knew that he was going to die. Okay, so I want you to keep that kind of in your mind as we're reading through this. If you knew that you were going to die, like you knew that the doctor said you have a week or a couple weeks or a couple months, what would you want to communicate to those that you love the most? What are some of the things that if you had a pen and a paper, you would stick to writing down and saying, you know, this is the legacy that I want to leave you. These are the most important things. Of all the things that you experience in life, of all the multifaceted areas of living, here are, here are the things that are most important. That's what we get in Second Peter. But before we dive into the text, I want to ask you this as well to begin with. And maybe this is an easier question. Who's the biggest influence in your life? Now, maybe this will help. As you think about last week, so Monday through Saturday, because by the way, Sunday is the first day of the week, because this is the Lord's Day, and we come together so that we receive God's word that then carries us through the rest of the week. But when you look at back at Monday through Saturday of last week, what I want you to think about is, how much time did you spend listening to podcasts? How much time did you spend reading or watching the news? How much time did you listen to the radio? How much time did you spend scrolling social media? Did you do anything last week? <laughs> and if you were to add up those times in those influencers or those people, who do you think has the most influence in your life and how does that directing what you think and how you feel and how you approach your life? Does that make sense? Because sometimes it can be kind of humbling. Sometimes it can be kind of shocking when we actually dig into this. And I know we have cell phones now that actually give us this data. They can tell us, you know, how much time we spend on the internet, how much time we spend on you know, this social media platform or that, but do we actually go and look at that? And then maybe the deeper question becomes, how much time are we spending with the God of the universe? Who created you? Who loves you? Who wants to be in relationship with you? Who sent his one and only son to die for you? that three days later he would rise from the dead, and these are Jesus' words, so that you could have life and have it to the full. See, we live in a day and an age when we're bombarded by information. We're bombarded by images. We're bombarded by all sorts of sights and sounds. In fact, they say the average person receives 10,000 messages a day. And I just have this crazy idea, and you're going to hear this as it comes out into the sermon. Why do we keep receiving 10,000 messages a day? Why do we just keep doing what everybody tells us to do? Maybe there's a way we can turn all this noise off and be human again. <laughs> Are you all dead this morning? 
Are any of you with me? How many of you want to just sign up to be human? And to really evaluate life and evaluate how we live our lives. Well, as I said, we're going to get into 2 Peter. Last week we got through a full two verses. We got through verse 1 and 2. This week we thought we would try to tackle a few more. So we're going to try to get through uh, verse 3 to 15 in the first chapter of 2 Peter. Uh, There's chair Bibles in front of you if you want to grab one of those. If you have your own Bible, great. We love it when people bring their own Bibles because then they can highlight them and underline them. If you don't have a Bible, please take one of the ones home with us today. If you're watching online, go ahead and grab your Bible wherever it's at so that you can follow along as well. Uh, Just a reminder, when we do sermon series like this, there is a reading plan so you can read before you come here. And you can actually read the text, which we strongly encourage, because I can tell you this about 2 Peter, it's very deep. I mean, there are a lot of concepts and a lot of words, and so for you to be as prepared as possible on Sunday morning, if you read beforehand, I'm telling you, you will get the most out of this series. We also have car ride and couch uh, side questions on our app, so on the ride home, you can talk about and discuss with your family and your friends what what, what you just talked about, what we just talked about in church, and then we also have this third component of dig deeper questions, which then you can go to all throughout the week, which will take you back to the text that we covered on Sunday, and really help you get an appreciation for all that the scriptures are talking about to us in our day and age. Now again, I'll remind you, just as I did last week, men in the room, if you are married, men in the room, if you have a family, you are the spiritual leader of your home, and we again are encouraging you to lead the way in this. And I know maybe you've never prayed with your family before or read God's word. These are some easy steps to take to begin to have you interact with your spouse and interact with your family. And so um, we would just encourage you to consider this and do this with your family. Does that sound good? All right, so 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. This is what it says. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And oh, by the way, this is the exact scripture that our kids are learning in our kids program right now. So parents, this is why you need to ask them the questions on the ride home. This is absolutely amazing that he starts it this way. It's his divine power, God's divine power has granted to us all things that we need in life and to be connected to God. Isn't that humbling? You have everything you need. If Jesus is Lord of your life and he lives in your heart, you don't have to study more to become a Christian. You don't have to earn more money to somehow buy something from God. That God actually tells you and promises you that you have everything that you need in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He has given you all things. And so that no matter what happens on this earth, or no matter how much maybe your personal life gets shaken up, you literally can go through life because you have Jesus and he is your foundation. He goes on to say this, it's through the knowledge of him. It's because you know who he is because God has awakened faith in your heart who's called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. And so here he is in these these final strokes of the pen. He's saying, listen to this, remember who you are, that you are a redeemed child of God, that Jesus spilled out his blood on the cross for you, that he paid for your sins that your most important relationship is your relationship to God and that he has done all of this for you. 
and that he's called you, he's produced faith in your heart and in your life. And it's through the knowledge of him that you now stand on his promises. And so when the world begins to come at you and you start getting information from other sources and you begin to doubt your faith or you doubt God, this is what you do. You go back to the scriptures and you read the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises that God makes to us in his word. And those promises are what we stand on. Those promises are then what we begin to refuel our souls with that then help us face the world in which we live. And it's an incredible gift that God gives us. Now, it also says here that we become partakers of the divine nature. Now, this takes a little bit of explaining. This does not mean we become God, okay? We're not Scientologists. We're Jesus followers, okay? And what that means is, is that when Christ comes into our heart, it's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that now resides within us. And the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a comfort. You have someone that can comfort you, someone that can counsel you. And oh, by the way, his counseling fee is free. It's incredible. You have someone who can guide you into all things. These are the words that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit when he was telling the disciples why he needed to go away. These are all the incredible gifts that you get, that divine nature that is now within you and the wisdom that he gives you. And this is why. It's because we've escaped the corruption that is in the world because of all of the sinful desires. We've been saved. God has saved us. We don't have to fall into the traps. We don't have to fall into the ways of the world because God has already brought us into his family. And he brings us together and he reminds us of just how incredible he is and what he has done for us. And oh, by the way, that this life that we have here on this earth, it's very short. We're here for a day and we could be gone tomorrow. But that one day we'll close our eyes in this life and when we open them up in the next, we will spend eternity with God. Just process that for a moment. All of eternity. And yet it seems we spend so little time developing that relationship with God now. And yet in his love and his grace and his mercy, he's drawing us to himself and saying, no, no, no. I want to pour into you. I want to spend time with you. I want to show you that there is a better way. In fact, it is the best way. And so that's why Peter goes on to say, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. You are firm in your faith. You are firm in your calling to be a child of God. Now here are the things that now you can bring around to help encourage you to grow in your faith, to grow closer to God. Here are some of the spiritual practices that I want to impart to you. So what do you think he's going to say? Any guesses? What do you think he would say? Be in his word. Anybody else that's awake this morning? Come on, give me some stuff. Surround yourself with believers. Pray. Getting better. Come on. Worship, love everyone. Here's what he says. These are the pillars I want you to focus on. That you would supplement your faith with virtue. 
and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Sounds easy. (laughs) Doesn't it? We're all excelling at this. Every one of these things. Can we just be honest this morning? This one sentence is really overwhelming, isn't it? Man, it's tough to try to even wrap our minds around all of what even Peter is saying. But before we dig into it, I want you to think of this. Peter isn't challenging us to work hard to be saved, but rather to strive diligently because we are saved. We are not working to be saved. We are saved by God. He loves us. He's already done everything for us. It's now how are we going to live our lives? How are we going to live out the calling that God has placed on us? Or maybe an easier way to say it this morning is this. You are saved. Now what? What are you doing? How are you living your life? Again, go back to what I asked you at the beginning. What are you spending your time doing? If you were to fragment out every minute and hour of a work week, what does that look like in your world? And are you investing in the things that matter most in life? Sometimes it's easier to break things down when you create visuals. Don't you think? Is there visual people in here? So this is, this is what helps me. Faith is at the core of of a a believer. And if you're not a believer this morning, our prayer is that you would come to faith. That as we read scripture, because the power is in the word, it's not in me, it's in the word. And as you're hearing the word preached, that the Holy Spirit is drawing you to Jesus who draws you to the Father and that today you could actually leave here understanding faith because it's God that's at work in this moment. And so for the believer, that circle, that circle that God has wrapped around you is your faith. But now what he is saying are these words. He's saying, okay, so how are you now going to implement virtue? What is virtue? It's goodness. It's going and doing good works. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's all the things that we learn about in Scripture, all the things that that God reminds us of over and over again. He talks about knowledge. What do you think knowledge is? God's Word. And how do you receive God's Word? Say, be in church. church. Read your Bible. Bible. It's the same thing the kids are getting. Be in church and read your Bible. It's why you should come to church every single week. It's why you should clock in the 60 to 70 minutes. If I'm preaching, probably 80 minutes. Let's just be honest, right? You should be here because you need this to help you through the rest of the week. How about this one? Self-control. Yet we live in a world that doesn't want self-control. We don't want to be self-controlled. We want to call our own shots. How about steadfastness? This simply means that we stand on the promises of God. That we don't waver in our faith or in our belief and we don't start heading down a path that we shouldn't go down or start believing the lies of the devil or anybody else that might try to come into our lives. No, we remain steadfastness in the word of God. Godliness. 
Just let it sit there for a minute. Pursuing the things of God. Having God be first in our life. Honoring God's name. Aligning our lives with the principles that we know that he wants us to align them with. How about brotherly affection? Doesn't that one sound nice? That we're actually supposed to be nice to each other? Look around the room. Are you nice to everyone in here? Now, I've been on the sabbatical, right? I've been gone for three months, so I don't know if anybody's gotten in a tiff with each other. Every once in a while, we get people that, like, say mean things to each other, even in the church. Or there's families that all of a sudden something happens and there's division. Even because of things that are said or actions that take place that people will stop even coming to church. And he goes, no, 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 wait a second. That's not what I want for the church. I want the church to show brotherly affection and love and concern so we bear each other's burdens and we willingly share our resources with others that are in the body of Christ. And of course, he ends with love, one of the hallmarks of the Christian faith. That you and I are to love one another. That we don't go through life selfishly. And it's all about me, and it's all about my family, it's all about the wealth or the kingdom that I can build here. No, it's about helping others and loving others. And being in service to him. And so I look at this as kind of like spokes on a wheel. And so as you look at this, maybe there's one in particular that the Holy Spirit is just speaking to you and saying, all right, this week, this is what I'm going to have you focus on. Because it's all these things working in tandem as you are living out your Christian faith. And in view of the vocation that God has called you, you're living out your Christian faith in view of that in the place that he has you in this world. See, he says in his first letter, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Peter knows that we have a fallen sinful nature. He knows it's so easy to fall into the traps of the world and the devil. And so he's saying, man, this hallmark has got to be love. You've got to learn how to get along, to be different than the world, so that when people come into your community and they see the way that, they, they, that you live, it's so abundantly obvious that it's different. And I'm thankful for this place because I believe we have that here. And the way that we share our resources and the way that we're involved in the community, that anybody that walks through our doors... Man, it's awesome to hear people say this is one of the most generous, the most loving, the most caring places I've ever been on. Great job, church. We've got to keep that up. That's fulfilling what it is that he's calling the church to do. Sometimes it also maybe helps flesh it out when you look at the opposite. And so the opposite of faith is doubt. And if you were to look at all of these aspects and you were to say, okay, so what, what's the flip side of this? What would be the other way to live instead of the way that Peter is calling us to live? And what's so interesting about doubt is that we live in a day and age when we are taught to question everything, aren't we? And some of you that are older, maybe you can speak into this more than I can. I just feel like this has become the most prominent thing in our culture. We don't believe anybody anymore. We don't trust politicians we don't trust world leaders. We don't trust police officers. We don't trust school teachers. We don't trust pastors. How come the church is in decline? Why don't people want to hear the truth? Some of us, maybe we don't even believe our own parents or our own family members. 
but which is nuts considering all we do is consume information and consume information and consume information, yet we doubt everything. And here's Peter coming along gently and lovingly saying, no, 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 come over here. Let me tell you the truth. Or this is how we can live with vice. We can live in ignorance. We can have no control. We can just be fickle and go by whatever means the wind blows us or by whatever new belief system is out there or, oh, now there's this new movement so we should follow that and say, no, 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 it's the word of God which leads to godlessness, which leads to disdain that we're willing to kill others if it means getting ourselves ahead and then what would be the opposite of love? Now I set you up on that on purpose that's what the Webster Dictionary would say. But as you're going to see in a moment, Peter would actually say in this passage that the opposite of love in a church isn't hate. It's apathy. It's knowing you're saved, but you don't act like it. It's knowing you're saved, but you don't do anything about it. It's knowing that Jesus has poured out his precious blood for you and yet you're just going through the motions. Maybe you come with your spouse because your spouse wants you to be here but you're not actually here because you want to be here. Maybe you're watching online because you just don't know what you believe anymore and the whole world being blown up has caused some confusion and frustration. And so this is part of God wanting you to come back and be part of a community, be part of letting God pour into you what the truth actually is. You know what else God tells us? He says that we're to get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, insults, and slander, along with every form of malice. That's a huge list. We're to inspect our hearts. We're to see where we're at and say, God, if there is any, any unwholesome way in me, God, I need to confess it to you and I need you to help me get this out because I don't want to feel this way anymore about another human being because it's not good for me and it's not good for them and it's ultimately not what you want for me. He goes on to say this, for these qualities are yours and they're going to increase. I want these things to increase in you. I want to see more goodness come out of you. I want to see more self-control. I want you to understand what it means to live a godly life. But they can keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. So you also have these characters because if you don't and you just go into the apathetic realm over here and you kind of just ignore the things of God or you just go on living for the things of today instead of the eternal things that God would be calling you to, you don't bear any fruit. And what a great analogy of that as we head into the fall and all the trees shed their leaves, right? So many of us, we're going to head up north or we're going to head out to cider mills and we're going to watch some trees die. <laughs> and all of you say, oh, fall's my favorite season. It's my favorite season. That's what happens. We do this stuff and we become unfruitful and we become unfruitful because we get disconnected from God and the knowledge of who he is. Watch what else he says. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Here it is. This is the key passage he's talking about being apathetic. He's shaking the members of the church that he knows are starting to slip away. 
And imagine as he's writing this, it's somewhere between 60 and 80 AD, so it's very early on within the first 100 years of the church, and the church at that time was being attacked. New religions were being formed. New thought processes were, were starting to emerge. And people were starting to question whether Jesus was the Messiah. And Peter calls a timeout and says, no, 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 no. We've got to get back to the truth. You've got to hear it from me who was an eyewitness. You've got to know who God is and who it is that he sent to this earth. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. He is the only one that can save your soul. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And he is the one that can change and transform your life. These are not my words. These are the words that Jesus said when he walked this earth. And guess what? He is still at work today. And not only is he at work, we have a devil and we have a world that is constantly pulling you away from the right relationship that he wants to have with you. Now, I know that's a lot to digest. So we're going to have a little intermission here. How about that? Those were a lot of words I just threw at you. As many of you know, it took me about a month and a half to finally accept kind of the new reality of being on a sabbatical, which simply meant I had no calendar, no emails, no appointments, no social media, no text messaging, nothing. And when I finally, because I'm stubborn, because it took a while, when I finally settled into it, I wanted to start doing experiments. Don't you think it was a good idea? Rather than just sit around the house all day in my pajamas? <laughs> so this is what I did. The first thing I started doing was I would go to restaurants by myself. This is when you're supposed to go, ooh, ooh, okay. I, does, do, I don't, do people do this? I would assume they do. But I would purposely leave my cell phone in the car because I wanted to just observe people. I wanted to see kind of the patterns of, of what takes place in and around our area here in Metro Detroit. And so I get to my table and the waitress says, um, there's a QR code, that's how you access the menu. <laughs> you should have seen the look on her face when I was like, I don't have a cell phone. You live in the Stone Age? She had to bring me a paper menu. Oh, it felt so good. And me, I flip it over. It was crazy. What do you think I observed at the restaurant? Wow, same, same thing in the same level that the 9 o'clock said. People on their phones. This is us. This is now the new norm of society. Husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, brother, sister. Did we just run out of things to talk about? Did we forget how to be human? Do we not know how to carry on a conversation without having something in between us and the person that we're actually spending time with? When I looked at other tables and I saw families gathered together, what do you think I saw? <laughs> now, just so you know, I don't have the perfect family, and when our kids 
uh, when we've taken them to restaurants, there have been times, many times, that we have given them electronic devices because any parent knows this is the biggest way to just shut them up, <laughs> right? <laughs> Especially if you're there with other people, you don't want to be embarrassed and you want to have adult conversation. And these things are just, they, 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 they do, they just stop talking when you give them an electronic device. But then the question became, does this then carry into the home? And is this what our, our kitchen tables and our dining room tables look like? Have we so become blinded because we just do what society tells us? Because we think Elon Musk and all these other big players, you know, that own Facebook and all these other things, that we should just blindly follow Tim Cook, who's heading up Apple, and Mark Zuckerberg and all these other characters. Are they the ones who should be dictating to us how we should live our lives? This is literally the crisis that I'm having. And not only am I in this restaurant, am I observing these things, I began to shake. I literally began to shake because I thought to myself, I'm missing out because I don't have an electronic device. <laughs> so on the ride home, I came up with an idea. And I was so eager to tell my wife when I got home. I said, honey, you're not going to believe this. I came up with this idea and I think if we start this locally, it could become regionally, it could go all throughout the state of Michigan, we could go through the entire United States, this could become a global unit. Are you ready to hear this? And she said, clearly you have too much time on your hands. <laughs> and I said, yes, I'm on sabbatical. Here's my idea. Here's my idea. What if, what if we invite people over to our house and we tell them that we are going to have technology-free dinners. Oh, get ready for this. And this was my idea, because we live on the corner. You have to go through our garage. That's how most people enter our house. What I would do is I would get one of these devices off Amazon. <laughs> They're $35. And everyone has to put, a, put all of their electronic devices in a basket in our garage, including the watches, because some of you, this is what you do. You walk around like this all day long. <laughs> Right? It's crazy. And people would come in and we would pray and we would eat and we would drink and we would have a euchre tournament and we would just have face-to-face -face interactions. Do you think any of our friends or people from Shepherd's Gate would be on board with this? How many of you are in for this? How many of you want to get back to being human and just hearing each other's burdens and bearing each other's burdens and hearing the praise reports of the great things that are happening in your life and, hang, and praying over each other and supporting each other. Honestly, this has been one of the biggest revelations that I have. I don't want to go back to being chained to having to answer things 24-7. I don't want to go back to just always having to have a laptop and a computer and a phone and a watch, and next thing you know, we're going to be putting chips in our heads, you know? What's next? Where do we go from here? But I want to figure out how we can get back to spending time and reclaiming the time that God has given us to focus on our relationship with him first and foremost and then to focus on our relationship with those that he's called us into community with. Wouldn't that be incredible? Last couple of verses. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent. Be diligent in this. Confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. That sounds great to me. Peter, I want to sign up 
for that discipleship path. Four, in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, keep your eyes fixed on eternity, not on this temporary world on the life to come, the relationship that you have with God the Father, the legacy of faith that you will pass on to your kids and your grandkids and those that God has placed in your life. He goes on to say, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities. No matter what, I'm going to stand for truth and I'm going to keep telling you the truth because that's what God has called me to do because I know that my time is short. I know that putting off of my body will be soon because Jesus told me it would be. And so I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Isn't that an incredible legacy? Isn't that deep down what we actually want for our kids and for our grandkids? We want them to know who God is. We want them to know that the world doesn't really have that much to offer. That the way of truth and the way of Jesus is the best way and it's the only way. Amen? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, it's amazing that even as we bow our heads and close our eyes, what it does is it forces us to focus solely on you. There's no screens to look at. There's no people to look at. This is our time before you. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for your holy, precious word that has the ability to cut deep into our hearts and into our lives and speak the truth that we need to hear this morning. So even in this moment, as I know your Holy Spirit has been at work throughout this service, God, would you remind us once again how much you love us the price you paid on the cross for us, that you delight in us. You willingly sent Jesus to the cross because you can't wait until you can see us face to face for all eternity. But until that time comes, God, would you also help us to slow our lives down enough to be convicted enough that maybe there's some things that need to be rescheduled this week. Maybe there's some appointments that need to be canceled so that Jesus' time can be added to our calendars. Maybe there's some things on television that we don't need to watch because it means we're going to spend that time with our spouse or with our families. God, whatever it is, it's your Holy Spirit that does the convicting and draws us to you. So Father, I just pray for my brothers and sisters that are here this morning, those that are watching online, that this week we unleash something like never before. More of you more of you in our lives this week. We love you, we thank you, we pray all these things in your son's most holy and precious name.